Hey, changemakers! So it is time for another podcast episode, and for those of you who haven't uh, realized it yet, so Fernando and I we started a new format that is called the Four Changemakers Lunch Club, and it is happening every second Wednesday at 12:30 p.m. Central European Time, and we always invite a guest from the impact world. And we're gonna have an interview with them uh, live on Zoom, and you can join. And the first 30 minutes are always um, questions that we ask our guests, and then the second 30 minutes, you have the opportunity to also ask questions to our guests. And we decided to use this format and those episodes now. Um, also for the podcast so all the episodes that we are uploading now and in the next time are going to be audios from this uh, for changemakers lunch club and uh, the one from today is also a for changemakers lunch club episode and we had the opportunity to invite an amazing guest so we have um, Sabina Hanau today as a guest and she is an awesome copywriter she runs a copywriting agency called from scratch and yeah she just has an insane knowledge about this topic and this episode is really 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 amazing and very hands-on because she shares so many pearls of wisdom so you can really look forward to an amazing piece of uh, <laughs> of content here today i i won't make a very long intro because fernando did an amazing job on that you're gonna listen to it uh, right afterwards so i'm not gonna tell you too much about sabine um but what you can uh, look forward to is to learn about what copywriting is in general and also um yeah that is actually it is way more um, than just like creating a sales or making sales and if you, you you can you can use copywriting as a tool to drive positive change and uh, within this podcast episode um, Sabine is gonna give you so many tools that will um, yeah help you to create great copy that inspires people to take action she will um, explain how to communicate your mission better and also how to dramatically increase your community engagement and if this is not enough yet <laughs> you're also gonna learn um, how you can optimize your uh, website conversion so yeah um, this episode is packed with tons of value enjoy it and have a great time I, I want to start by uh, introducing, you know, today this very, very special guest. I connected with her, I think, already a couple of months ago. And, and from the very beginning, I was very impressed, actually, with, with the work that she's doing. Uh, she's also a very active member of our community. She's been, you know, in our events. She's been in the lunch, lunch club as well. So that's also uh, something really, really cool. So to, to have somebody, you know, joining the events. And today she's here as a guest. And, and the topic today is something I really love because copywriting is the most important skill in marketing. And actually, I would say that is one of the things, you know, that almost everyone and different entrepreneurs, actually, they kind of like tend to overlook this. And, and the thing is that the words that we use to express ourselves and to communicate our, our ideas, our brand, you know, our business are extremely powerful. And that's something also that big brands have been using and they know about this, you know, since very, very long time. However, the thing is that this can be applied for good to drive change or it can be used, you know, kind of like to 
help people, you know, to go and buy things that they don't need. And it's kind of like actually one of the main reasons could be we can say uh, why, you know, we, we live in such a society that's so driven by consumerism. So anyway, um, Sabine started as a global copy team or in the global team uh, of Lego customer service. She started that, that team. Um, she also worked for many years in a London-based consulting. She was writing copy. She was writing voice scripts, chats, email messages for over 70 iconic brands. And I have to say this, some of them including cruise companies, uh, online casinos, car companies involved with the mission scandals, and British tabloids. However, in 2017, she simply could no longer continue like this. And she started from scratch to stop climate change, save species from dying and make our society a bit more human. So let's welcome Sabine. Welcome to your show, Sabine. Well, thank you so much for that introduction. Hello, everybody. And uh, yeah, thanks, Fernando, for having me. I'm really excited about this one. Awesome. Well, it's, it's, it's my pleasure. So uh, just to build up, you know, the framework and, and everyone here, you know, we're in the same page. Can let's start, you know, with like the one-on-one definition. What what is copywriting? That is a great question. Um, I think often you'll see that uh, copywriting is your online salesperson. Um, that's, um, for example, how Joanna Weeb, the founder of Copy Hackers, would describe copywriting. But when you go and ask different people, they will all give you different definitions of copywriting. For example, I would argue there is more to copywriting than just making sales. Um, the broader definition that I use is more about um, having a measurable result that you want to achieve by writing a text. So in that way, it is quite different from, for example, writing a novel or poetry or um, a theater script or a journalistic article, which of course um, aims to inform people or educate people, but usually you don't have to fill out a survey at the end of that uh, newspaper article to prove that you uh, understood the main points. Whereas with copy, uh, we, we want to get better click-through rates. We want to get people to uh, sign up for a, a petition, for example, or sometimes also make a purchase. But in any case, you'll always be able to measure whether it's been um, successful or not. Okay, it's, it's, it's very practical what you're saying. So when, when writing copy, then it's something that we, we can measure and there is a result that we're looking for. Yes, yeah. So it depends on what you want to achieve, uh, what kinds of uh, KPIs you would set and how you would look at whether you've achieved those targets. And I also have to say some aspects are very difficult to test in a quantitative way. Sometimes you have to use qualitative measures, um, but in principle, it's always testable. Um, and that's how I would define a copy, whether it's conversion-oriented uh, copy or UX copy, or maybe even content like blogs, if it's lined up on a funnel where you want to get people to understand a certain concept before they are ready to make a decision about whether they want to join your course. Got it, got it. Now, when, when writing copy, uh, I mean, you, you just mentioned could be different things, could be a blog mm. leading, you know, to join something or could be just your website or could be anything. Uh, what are the first things, kind of like the pillar stone that you sit there and like, okay, what, what, are, what are the things that we really get need to get aligned in, your, in order, you know, to give this form? 
Um, well, I've already uh, talked about measurable results. So yes, the target is really important. Like one of the questions I always ask um, prospects, clients, people we work with is, what are you looking to achieve? Um, it usually doesn't make sense to work with a copywriter if you have no target, no goal, no aim that you can, you know, fulfill with text. Uh, so we need to know what do we need to help you achieve. And um, the other equally as important thing is who are we writing for? Who's our reader? Um, and that is also a question where if we don't have any information about the desired audience, it's really, really difficult to get it right. And um, yeah, I think that's probably the the one thing I would, um, for the audience, you know, if you're looking to work with a copywriter, if they don't ask you about your audience, don't work with them because we're always writing for somebody and we need to get it right for them. So that for me is really the hallmark of, of good copy that it's designed to work for a specific type of person. Absolutely, that's, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful um, tip actually for everyone listening. And just to add on that, it would be amazing if you know to who you want to talk with, you know? So you as, as the business owner, the entrepreneur, you need to know who is your target market. So actually you can go and sit down with the copywriter and, and make sure that the message is going across, you know, to that specific person, to that specific target market. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now I'm um, something I, uh, I've been curious actually since, since I met you because you have this angle of, green copy you know to mm. to work actually with sustainable brands and i and i know personally that as actually you have a very strong ethic on that uh, but also you have you you come from the other side of the of this of the coin you know you're coming from the corporate world and working kind of like for, for the traditional world so I'm, I'm super curious to know what difference do you see uh, in the copywriting world between these two you know sub markets kind of like the traditional one and, and the more sustainable one Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, well, on the one hand, I would say there's a deeper connection between um, us as copywriters and our clients, because there's much more than just this project that connects us. It's a way of life. It's a way of thinking about the world. And so we usually stay in touch for much longer, even after our work together has ended. Or even if we decide not to work together, often we make great connections just on, you know, networking calls or even um, getting to know each other calls where, you know, maybe we're not quite the right fit for what they're looking for, but still we stay in touch and we um, have regular conversations. And I think that happens much more rarely in the traditional world, but there's also more. Um, there's more of an interest in marketing in an ethical way in, in our niche, uh, whereas uh, the traditional corporate world, I think they're just discovering this topic, but they're usually discovering it in order to make it um, another sales argument. So they can go out and say, look, we're doing all of this ethical stuff. And so if you've heard anything bad about us in the past, you can now forget about that because we've changed. Uh, whereas the kinds of organizations that we work with, for them, it's part of who they are. It's part of their DNA. They wouldn't want to do anything, even inadvertently, that doesn't take their audience seriously, that um, coerces them, manipulates them into doing something that they don't want to do. And so we take on more of an advisory role in, in that regard, like opening up um, a whole um, menu of alternative ways of doing marketing where 
you know, a lot of colleagues of ours that work in the more traditional world, they don't think about that uh, topic as often and as deeply. I know that from the Slack groups where I hang out and the, the LinkedIn groups and so on, it's not very often a topic in the traditional world. And some people even say, you know, as copywriters, they would be quite happy to take on pretty much any client because they leave their own ethos at the, at the door when they sit down uh, to, to do their work. And it's almost like our clients expect us not to do that, right? They uh, come to us because we take such a strong stance because they want to work with other people who uh, share their, their worldview and not just with anybody. So of course, skills are important, but philosophy and, and uh, outlook on life is also important. And that also goes into what you want to achieve with your audience. So um, increasingly, I think we're seeing social enterprises or um, environmentally friendly um, uh, companies uh, going outside of their own niche to try and win a bigger audience, like more of the mass consumer, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like to use that term, but it's kind of, you know, the, the not so early adopters, the more, um, the slower adopters uh, when it comes to environmentally friendly products, for example. And so we don't just look at the customer journey in terms of, okay, this person is totally unaware that you even exist and how do we get them to the point where they love your brand and they want to buy? We're also thinking about, okay, how do we get this person who's completely unaware of this social or environmental problem to a point where they want to change their lifestyle in order to um, you know, affect change? So it's a dual journey, and that's very uncommon in the traditional world. Mm, so 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 interesting, and actually this opened the loop for 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 a question. Um, how what tips can you give you know here to the audience uh, for the people listening on how to how to build up this customer journey? You know how to grow your movement and your community because. Normally also, there are some people that are it's super aware about sustainability and they only choose that kind of brands. However, it's a small mi minority no? and, and, and they're looking actually to grow that market. So how, how you do that, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's difficult to say that uh, in a generic way because we do everything so much with a focus on research. So, um, but that's maybe the biggest piece of advice I can give you, do your research, try and find out as much as possible about people who are not yet on that journey. And then um, find out how they think and feel about certain issues that are somehow important for what you do. Also all the objections, all of the things that make it difficult for them to change the way they live. It could be something to do with their daily routine. It could be something to do with their way to work or where their child goes to school. It could be something really practical or it could be something to do with mindset. And then when you've assembled all of this data, then you can start to create content and build um, a user experience around that that gets people to connect with you without a lot of commitment. Don't jump from never heard about you straight to the sale. Mm. You have to offer people the opportunity to change their minds with your, you know, with your support, obviously you're going to help them by giving them content, by giving them options, maybe some fun interactive content like quizzes so they can um, find ways of, of making small changes that are easy for them. And once they've got going with a few commitments, it's much easier to build on that later on and also make a sale. 
Um, yeah, so it's really about understanding what happens in the mind of your, of, your, of your person that you want to reach. And it could be that you end up with five different groups of people, and then you will have to think about which ones are most important to you at this point and just focus on the one rather than uh, trying to reach all of them, because then you're going to get a lot of wishy-washy marketing that's not going to connect properly anymore. So be as specific as you dare. <laughs> and I realize it takes courage and it takes a lot of extra work if you want to reach five different groups of people. But if you focus on one and really take that step of courage, it can be so much more um, effective for that one group of people. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, well, just between, uh, between brackets, guys, it, we have here actually the Q&A section. So, um, so if you're having, you know, some questions and some thoughts, you can start typing that. Uh, I will ask then uh, later, Sabine, you know, one of, one of your questions. So just feel free, you know, to start putting that in the Q&A section box. Um, now, if, Let's talk about, you know, actually talking to just one target market, something uh, that I encounter, you know, almost every single day when I'm talking, you know, with, with, with different entrepreneurs from different countries, from different industries, something they, they normally tend to think like, yeah, but I have this product, you know, that it's, it's, it's good for everyone, you know, uh, everyone should be using these or everyone should be adopting these. However, as you said, you know, going and market to everyone is just, you know, a, a very good way to go and fail because then you don't appeal to anyone. Uh, but what are your recommendations to actually to make that decision? How to narrow down and get to just one person, even though maybe it's a little portion of the market, you know? Um, what, what are your tips with that? Because I, I, I think a lot of people actually struggle with that. Uh, yeah, it's a great question. Uh, it's it's one of those questions that we often answer for people when they work with us. And sorry, I've got I've got a crying cat in the background, and it's very difficult to switch her off. <laughs> uh, there's unfortunately no off button with cats. Um, so yeah, what what you what you could do is start with the people that you um, know have already heard of of your offer. That's a good starting point. If you, only can, if you can only talk to one group of people, find out who's already heard about your offer, um, who understands kind of the, the solution that it is, and then build on that so they understand why your product is the best. That's really what happens a lot when you're marketing to a niche of people who are already well on track to being a conscious consumer, who's making conscious choices. So that's kind of the, the baseline. Um, if you want to make your marketing more effective, find out more about the, that group and really hone in on them and get them to be your advocates. Because if they spread the word on your behalf, it's going to be much easier for you. Um, and it's well worth uh, taking the effort, you know, to, to talk to a couple of, of people who've heard of your product, but maybe not made a, made a purchase yet to understand where are they in their thought journey what's important to them right now, what are they trying to solve in their life where your product might fit in? Or why do they feel that uh, maybe your product doesn't quite fit even though they know of it? Uh, that information can be super, super helpful. And five to 10 interviews gives you a lot of insight already. Got it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, uh, some things, you know, that happen when you run a live show. Well, uh, I think the cat really wants to express his opinion <laughs> about the topic. <laughs> okay, so jo joke aside, um, how, um, 
how important is to uh, when writing copy you know this could be uh, for an email or scripts website etc how important is to test different variations well those of you who can see me you might see over my right left shoulder actually right shoulder uh, when when you look at me the, there's a little card behind me saying just test it i'm a strong believer in testing um, and in fact we test in all of our projects um, just to validate our ideas there might be things that we think are great but the audience think it's really naff and they don't want to go for it so ideally you know you don't have to come up with a hundred different uh, ideas, but if you have an idea that you think might work really well, do put it in front of an audience and see how they respond to it. Gather some data on that. It's relatively quick, easy, and in, in, inexpensive to make that work. And then if you've got that data to, to prove, okay, everybody understands what we're about. Most people understand what's special about us. It's probably, you know, we've got good reason to believe that this will work. If we put that onto our website, if we put that onto our product packaging, we can feel much more confident that it's going to work. And then you'll end up iterating anyway. You're never going to be finished. That's the other big secret about copy. It's never fully done. Six months down the line, at the latest, you will discover something that you want to add or take away or change because the world around us also changes and you'll gather information about how people interact with your copy. And so you need to be ready to make those changes and not leave it set in stone. We don't want um, ethical and sustainable brands looking like you know some of the websites that we still encounter today that look like they were made in the 1990s. And of course, um, I understand you all understand this, but it's just, much easier if you account for it in your planning from the get-go and you don't leave it as an afterthought. Got it, got it. Now, uh, I, I just want to uh, uh, share a little anecdote. Uh, last year, I, yeah, I think it was last year, uh, we were recently in business um, and we decided to do a seminar, a live seminar, well, before the pandemic and before all this madness. And, and anyway, we did the seminar, we, we partnered up, you know, with, with, with a, a couple of institutions that they had um, the, the community and the target market, and we built up a landing page and we start promoting that thing. And after a couple of days, we were driving traffic to the, to the website, to the landing page. However, after two days, we make zero sales, zero, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. And we were like, you know, like taking our hurts off you know like what's going on what happened we're driving the traffic what what happened and and then you know we but we we were not attached to to that landing page you know as was asked was just okay this is just not working and what we did we rebuilt everything and we changed the copy of that of the of the site you know it was the same thing the same structure we just changed the words only the words and the, in the just the next few hours we converted i think like six seven uh, uh, people who bought into the seminar, you know, and after attended that. So just, you know, as an example of how important it is to test, you know, and, and the huge conversion, you know, that you can have after changing that. Now, that leads me to another question for you. Uh, if, if you have maybe, you know, some uh, example, real life example like this of twist uh, that you did or, or that the company did, you know, and you, you, you saw, you know, like incremental results. Mm. That's a really good question. 
Um, it's a difficult one to answer because we often uh, work with clients who haven't got their analytics set up right mm. or who uh, don't really uh, measure conversion, for example, um, before they start working with us. So we do a big education piece at the beginning of uh, projects usually to, to get that all set up. But that also means that we don't have reliable data on how it used to perform. What I can tell you is that we have written uh, pages with conversion rates of around 60%, which is almost unheard of, really. And I wouldn't say we can um, easily do that again. If you think of the average conversion rate for a website um, being around 2 2.5%, 2 mm. 60% is, of course, um, massive. But that's... Um, it's a result of not just a website in isolation. It's about the whole funnel working together in order to drive the right traffic with the right mindset to the right kind of uh, landing page where the, the, the action that we're asking them to complete is exactly the right fit for where they are in their journey. Um, and yeah, so it is possible to achieve that, but you need to really know your audience extremely well to be able to put all the puzzle pieces together and you need to be able to track them across that journey in order to understand where are people coming from? Do we get the kind of traffic that we want to get? And that's the power of a good funnel where you set things up in a way that you know where people are coming from and you can send them on a journey almost like dominoes, uh, uh, you know, where you, yes. you flick one and then the whole journey unfolds. Of course, you know, people are not machines. They're not dominoes either. So you, and I don't want to suggest that we want to manipulate people in that way, but if you set up a path and it's attractive, a lot of people will walk on it. And there's a high percentage of people who want to go it to the end. Absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't think that it's manipulating. I just think that it's, it's making, you know, a structure or making kind of like an environment that will help people and it's going to be easy for them to say yes and no. Uh, I, I think that's, that, that's it. It's not manipulating. It's just, you know, helping them to make a, an informed decision. Uh, that's a really good point, actually, because a big piece of that is also getting people to say no at the right point in the journey. So, uh, you know, um, if you're very unclear, you can get people to stick around for a much longer time before they start thinking, no, this isn't for me. If you allow yourself to take a stance early on, or if you're very clear and specific who this is for and what the promise is, then people will say no, maybe earlier, but the people that stick with you stick, stick with you for longer and you have a much more um, coherent, but also loyal potential client base. Great. Um, well, if the time is flying, so I think very soon we will open up the questions. So just type in on that. Uh, cool. Jessica, by the way, I can see that you're posting a lot of cool, cool, cool things. Thank you very much. <laughs> However, if you put it, you know, for all attendees, that would be even better. So actually everyone can benefit, you know, from your good, really good insights. Um, so let's continue and let's talk right now about uh, one of the most, I would say, important pieces, you know, of copy that it's the headline, you know, and, and the headline for everyone listening, it's not only the, the, the headline, you know, in an ad, it's also the first message uh, that people see in your website. It could be also the subject on an email. Uh, if you run a store or something like that, are the first pieces of words actually that you 
uh, that, that you say hi, you know, to, to, to the client when they come in. So that's the headline, you know, it's way more powerful than just, you know, the newspaper headline, you know. Uh, so, so with that framework, can you share with us, you know, how important it is? <laughs> I, I would say that it's very important. And also tips, you know, on how to, let's say, write good headlines or how to get better with that. Mm. Yeah, great question. In fact, you know, some people say if you've got um, an, a lot of time to write your copy, you should spend 90% of that time writing the headline and 10% on the rest. I'm not sure I agree to that extent. It's probably true if you write an ad or a poster for that's going to be posted in like the London tube, you know, where you need to be eye catching really quickly, your headlines going to be massively big and colorful and everything. And so there's a, a small chance only that people will even read the rest. They'll mostly remember only the headline, but still headlines are important because they get people's attention and they often determine whether people are prepared to spend the time. Um, there are different people putting out like formula worksheets where you can basically follow a recipe to come up with a great headline. And that gives us the type of Buzzfeed headline or the clickbaity headlines mm -hmm. that um, you may remember from Facebook and so on. I'm not really a big fan of that approach at all. I think it ends up making all headlines seem the same and it's very difficult to innovate in a very old type of framework or recipe where the, the, the pieces are so static. Like, you know, we, know, we all know the how-to posts with um, how to do X, Y, and Z, but there's probably not a single thing on earth where you don't find a how-to article somewhere on the internet. No. Same with um, number posts, you know, lists. They used to be all the rage, I think, 10 years ago, eight years ago, people still do them and they're trying to find out what kinds of numbers um, get the most attention. Should I put 37 into my headline or maybe 91 or maybe a smaller number because otherwise it's overwhelming. I think it's starting to almost get a bit funny, but there are some things you can do. So one thing that I often see um, when we do website audits, um, but also email audits to an extent, if you take the subject line as a headline, many people don't make their hard, uh, headlines work hard enough. So as an example, I see a lot of websites that have a certain structure or, or even blog posts that have a certain structure and all the headlines do is introduce um, what the next a paragraph is about so they say okay and now we come to the product details and now we come to the customer feedback and that's literally what the headline says it says product details features customer feedback and yes that that's great it helps me to scan the page and find where I need to go but at the same time if you took that away you wouldn't lose much content and the best headlines, if you just read the headlines, you get the gist of the information. So look at your headlines and see, can you make them work harder? Can you make them so full of meaning that if somebody only reads the headlines, they still take away a lot of what you want to tell them? And for example, if you do something like customer feedback on your page, can you take a quote from a customer and turn that into your headline? And then it's really clear, you know, it's in quotation marks, there's a name underneath, maybe there's even a picture on, uh, next to it. It's clear that this is feedback and you don't even have to say, hey, this is customer feedback. So that's one way you could do it. Um, 
another thing that might help is just think about how you can inject emotion into your headline. So it's not just a factual piece of information, but it actually gets people to feel something. And especially when you want people to read the rest of what you've written or open your email, emotions are the main driver. Um, and it could be something that makes people feel something positive or negative. So mm -hmm. I dare you to put something into your uh, subject line that makes people think, I disagree. Um, they're more likely, I would argue, to open the email than if it just says, newsletter um, because we respond to that kind of thing we it drives us to take action well that's a that's that's a that's a really good good point and actually that leads me to to the next piece uh, of questions that I want to ask you it's it's related you know to storytelling mm. and 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 communicating you know your story and actually taking a stand and also polarizing um, how important actually is to take a stand and polarize and, and make, you know, maybe some people even angry and, and mindset wise, how to deal with that as well. Hmm. Uh, I'll start with the mindset. You should probably, you know, if you're out to, to take a strong stance, if you want to try that out, make sure you've got a support network, like find a mentor, find a coach. Um, maybe do some yoga or some breathing techniques because it can be really stressful. Um, I know from my own experience that sometimes I've written things where it was like really, you know, gasping for breath because, or holding my own breath thinking, okay, how will people respond to that? And it can um, be exhilarating, but it can also be really tough. So make sure you've got that. Um, but you don't have to polarize. That's my second message. I think it depends on who you're trying to reach or who you want to reach and whether they respond well to polarizing messages. You will know that based on your research. Some personality types are just much more harmony seeking. And if you want to attract an audience that um, wants harmony in the world, they might not respond very well to you taking a polarizing stance. On the other hand, if you know that your tribe, your people uh, respond well to, uh, to that kind of thing, then you should absolutely do it. Not necessarily all the time, but occasionally pick your, pick your fights, obviously. Mm. Um, but when it's really worth it, um, it, might be, it might be a really good idea. Interesting. Really, really good tips, by the way. I, I, I think everyone, I can see some, some, uh, some of the comments. I think everyone, it's getting ton of value. So I'm, I'm super happy. Uh, we will start with the question very, very soon. So keep just asking that. Um, what, what tips do you, can you give us in order to get better on storytelling? So that's one thing. And then in your opinion, this is something that people, you know, kind of like born with the gift of telling good story or it's more like a skill or something that actually you can learn and you can get better over time? Yeah, absolutely. The second thing, right? It's a skill. If you have talent, you'll learn the skill a bit faster, but it's definitely a skill. I don't really have a storytelling talent. And yet here I am teaching storytelling workshops and using storytelling as one of the techniques um, in, in, in my work, it, when I was a child, I hated it when I had to look after little children in our family because they tended to ask me to tell them a story and I was just tongue tied. I couldn't come up with anything, like no imagination left in me. I was just, I think I was probably also too shy um, and couldn't really, you know, let my imagination run freely. So 
it's taken me a lot of effort um, to to let that happen and channel uh, that that desire for storytelling. But what's really been helpful is learning about how it works, like learning from the best. I mean, I studied literature at university, various different um, kinds of literary traditions. And when you look at how the greats worked, they all had some sort of technique, template, methodology, like even Shakespeare had his way of doing things and he went through a set um, of motions that he repeated for every play or for every uh, sonnet that he wrote. And even just the fact that the, the, the plays have a certain structure that um, repeats for every play or that a sonnet is a sonnet and you, you know how to describe a sonnet because, you know, if you, if you look at um, a literary uh, dictionary, you will uh, see the rules explained based on what type of so a sonnet it is. So there are grids or guidelines that can help us with storytelling. And one that I found the most helpful is, um, first of all, a question that really sparks, um, sparks storytelling. And that is the what if question. Without a what if, it's very difficult to get into the storytelling mindset. So if you want to tell the story of your ideal customer, for example, you could ask yourself, okay, what is the big what if question that happens once they discover us? Um, maybe, you know, not the, the most exciting example, but one that we probably can all relate to is the, the, the iPhone, where it's the, the 1000 songs in your pocket thing. That's a classic what if thing. What if I had 1000 songs in my pocket? That's the question that drives people to imagine life with that product and makes them want to buy it and change the way they consume music and everything. I mean, there's more to it than, um, that's actually the iPod, sorry, not the yeah. iPhone. Um, but there's more to it than just the product. There's also a change of behavior. So that what if drives much more than just thinking about the product, it changes how you think about um, the topics that interact with that product. That's one thing. Um, and then yes, how we envision this world is also a lot of what ifs are, are in, in that. So what if, thank you, Jessica. Um, what if we, um, what if our children weren't able to see bees flying around anymore? It can be a positive what if or a negative what if. And then you can tell that story forwardly or backwardly as well. You can say, okay, what if we're now in the year 2050 and we don't, have bees anymore in northern Europe what does the world look like um, you could tell a story about that or you can say what if we actually manage to uh, reach all the SDGs by 2030 and how did we do that and then you can tell the story about what happened step by step to get you to the point in 2030 where all the SDGs are solved that's really inspiring for people and easy for them to get on board with such an amazing uh tip i think so actionable as well i think like everyone listening here you can go out to your business and actually go and find you know a what if within your business so uh, th thank you very much samin actually for, for sharing that super super valuable and you're welcome now when when it comes to uncover you know our own stories you know because it's it's super easy kind of like to see the cool stories on other people's but when it comes to, okay, let's figure out what's my story, what's the story of my business, it's 
it's very, very tricky, you know, to find a line of story that could be something that, that it's inspiring, you know, and that will connect with our audiences. What tips do you have uh, in order, you know, to, to maybe break through those mental blockages and, and find out your story? Because I believe actually that everyone have a really cool story to share. Mm -hmm. um, do, do you have something, you know, that, that you encounter that kind of like work uh, in order to uncover that process, that storytelling? Yeah, so um, one thing that can be helpful, and actually we've got that as a download, free download on our website, <clears throat> is a storytelling uh, template that divides your story up into five acts. Um, and it's based on the most uh, successful movie plots, but also really it's taken from a guy called Eugene Scribe, who used to be a prolific uh, novelist and kind of the James Patterson of the 18th century. So he wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And the only reason why we don't read his uh, books anymore is because the, the topics are kind of, they're good for his time, but we're not really interested in that kind of story anymore. But the storytelling is solid, and that's due to his five-act structure. And it really starts with thinking about what's called you out to, to make a change. It's the journey into the woods. If you've ever heard of uh, the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell and so on, they all talk about the journey into the woods. And it really starts with that first act where something new happens that calls you to do something. Could be, you know, like Frodo in, in Lord of the Rings, uh, someone turns up on your doorstep and tells you, look, there's this ring and you need to take it to Mordor. Um, so maybe what's your personal ring moment where you knew you had to take that ring to Mordor? Or if you think of E.T., uh, you know, an alien lands in your backyard. What's the alien that landed in your backyard? And then what's the first steps you took on that journey? That's basically your, your act two. Things are going quite well. And you just talk a little bit about what got you started. And at some point, and this is the point that we often forget to tell, at some point, things started to get difficult. So the biggest mistake I see with businesses telling their story, and I realize from my own business that it's so difficult to be that vulnerable. But if we make ourselves vulnerable and we have that midpoint where it's as difficult to go on as to go back, that's the point where people can really connect and where we become human. Um, of course, you need to tell it in a way that people can trust that you've overcome that point and things have turned out well. You need to make readers or listeners feel safe. Uh, with you. So don't tell that story when you're still in the thick of it. Don't tell it to people crying or somehow, you know, still very emotionally involved. You need to give them that feeling that it's now overcome. But what happens after that third act is really fighting it out. It's, it's um, making a decision to stick with it. And then what happens while you stick with it? How do you tidy, tidy that up? What's the final battle? Maybe even taking place within you a psychological battle where you have to decide where you want to where you want to go next and um, who wins who loses you know could be the angel and the devil on on your shoulder talking to you doesn't have to be actual people and it doesn't have to be a bloody fight but there needs to be something happening that engages the other reader emotionally got it now um I think a couple of days ago, I, I sent Sabine some, some, uh, some of the questions and then I asked her if there was something actually that she wanted to share with us. And the answer was literally, December is the time to give. 
So um, I will I would like you know to give uh, the the people you know who is listening today some of the freebies, and I think you just mentioned that I will put right now the link so you can actually go to her website and you can download these freebies. So um, I would type it here uh, immediately so <laughs> everyone you can go there, go there you know and 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 have you know a look of what actually Sabine just shared with us. Now uh, let's go to the questions of the of the attendees. So um, let's go first with here with Marina Malberg. Malberg. So uh, Sabine, love your tips. Uh, how is it possible to work with you? <laughs> well, that's that's so, probably my favorite question, Marina. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, I'm not so you can um, it's e easiest if you just get in touch with us via the website um, small um, maybe spoiler alert if you go to our contact page we'll ask you to fill in a form so we have all the information necessary to make a decision whether we can actually help you or whether we can recommend somebody from our network who might be a better fit so please stick with that and go through it even though um, it's not as simple as just typing in your name and hitting send but um, so we offer a very, various different types of, of services, one being copy coaching, where we get together for 90 minutes and we just, you know, have a, um, a go at a copy problem that's currently bothering you. We also do workshops. Uh, we do website and email audits. And actually in the freebie section, you will find a way to get those for nearly nothing. Uh, all we ask is, is a donation to save at least one square meter of rainforest. And then you get a small version of our regular um, audit. So please do make use of that. Um, and then also um, bespoke projects um, or impact days. So we, our bespoke projects, they usually start at around 5,000 euros. If that's not really your budget, we would encourage you to go for a day because we can get a lot done in a day. We just recently wrote um, a product page template and um, a new about page and half of a new homepage in one day and um, most other uh, agencies can't uh, do that much in a day so awesome hope that wasn't too advertorial um <laughs> it was a bit sales pitchy sorry well, no, it's okay. I mean, that was a question so lo love the answer <laughs> so uh, let's go let's continue with mom mamad uh, mm -hmm. so his question is, what is the turning point from conversation or interview with the lead, you know, into actual the sales pitch? How you, how you, you know, kind of like transition? How do you feel that pressure point? Okay, so I think, thank you, Mamad. I think it's a great question. I think um, you need to decide beforehand what the purpose of the conversation is. If you're looking to interview people, don't turn it into a sales pitch. If you just want to find out how people feel about a certain topic and you want to get to know them better, then really focus on that because they will be able to check you out more if, if they're interested afterwards. And of course, you can always do a follow-up emails and thank them and then put all your details into your um, email footer. But I wouldn't recommend hijacking that conversation and doing kind of a, a bait and switch strategy. But if you do know that um, there might be a sale um, at the end of the conversation, then, you know, really the whole conversation is about how can I help you? Um, and making, making that work for the other person. So it's a very clear cut road uh, from starting the conversation with a, with a bit of chit chat 
into okay what's going on for you in your life right now and how can we help you achieve your goals and then at the end of that conversation you either realize okay we can totally help you and you also feel as the person i'm speaking to that we can help you and so let's get together and make it work or you find out that hmm, there are certain things that don't quite fit like time frame budget or maybe the flavor of the ice creams you're selling isn't you know doesn't include pistachio so sorry not quite the right fit then of course, um, that's the end of the conversation. But yeah, be clear about the, the purpose of the, the whole conversation in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. I, actually, to complement on that, I think we were talking about this during the conversation, but in different pieces. Because the first thing is to start with the end in, in mind. You know, what's your goal? What's your outcome? What are you looking for? So that's the first thing. And then something also that Sabine shared with us, what's the customer journey? You know, how, how we will get to them, how we will talk to them, what will happen next? You know, and how we will fill, you know, that gap from where they are right now until the goal or outcome that we are coming from. So I yes. think when you get those two things right and you know with who you're talking to and then you test different angles, like you will find that way, you know, that will make that super smoothly, super natural for you and super natural as well for, for the client. Because let's be honest, nobody wants to ask for the sale. You know, like, hey, you you want to buy me, buy this or buy that? It's it's salesy. You know, you you don't want you you don't want to do that. So in that sense, connecting with them, uh, I, I think is a really great place or, or how to how to get that. You know, and um, anyway, I, I think that's how Sabine. You know, she already shared that in different pieces. I'm just putting that together. Awesome. Um, let's continue from Anna. Uh, do you find it hard to differentiate your work when you serve many clients with similar goals? That is a really interesting question, Anna. Uh, I don't think so. We don't tend to work with many clients at any given time. So I think in November, we had a bit of a peak where we had, I think, five or six different clients at the same time, but it's unusual for us. We like to, to focus on a few so we can do the work right because it's you know it's it's time intensive stuff we there's a lot of thinking and testing that goes into things and um so yeah it's it's rare because we get to know the people so well and uh we're really emotionally involved so i don't think we've ever uh felt confused in that way thank you now we have another one from marina um, how to make corporate world to see a miss way to turn miss CSR into share value creation, making them heroes who create share value creation with right now create poverty marginalization. I, I, I don't quite understand this question, to be honest. What if we hold the key to the corporate fulfilling agenda 2030? Mm. Sorry, Marina, I don't, I don't quite get the question. Maybe you can reformulate that. For in the meanwhile, I will continue with the next one with Vivian. So Vivian is saying, what, uh, what would be your first advice on how to start a dialogue with your target audience through good copy, to really activate and inspire them with regard to to sustainability topics? Hmm. Well, you need to be where they are. I don't know anything about you, Vivian, or what you're working on. So it's difficult to say something that's going to be really actionable for you, I think. But if you sell um, services, for example, the easiest thing would be to just be of service to other people in where they are. And that could be a physical location. It could be an online location. 
Um, and that's how you, you start the conversation there and you can take what you've learned in the conversations and almost mirror that in a written piece of copy that you offer through email, in a worksheet, on a website or something like that. And really it's similar for product, um, product businesses too. So um, if you're, for example, offering a, a product for um, people looking to cope with the homeworking and homeschooling situation that many people are going through during the COVID crisis, um, you could, first of all, that's what I would recommend, join forums and online groups where people discuss these topics and listen in really carefully and then use the, the words that people use there to write your copy as well. Obviously, you want to polish it a little bit, give it some structure and so on, but it's really important to always use words that are almost taken from the mouths of the people that you want to engage because they will then recognize that, hey, this is how I talk, this is how I think, this is exactly the topic that I want to find out more about rather than you trying to translate it into something else and then it won't really resonate as much. Got it, very, very clear, very, very clear. So um, anyway, I think we are uh, almost at the end actually of episode i think actually was super packed with a lot of value a lot of practical tips i think everyone will have you know like a, a lot of homework actually to go and do and rethink you know some things how to communicate your business uh, just for everyone to know um if, if you are not able maybe you know to take notes or and everything we will upload this episode as a podcast so uh, if you think that it was valuable, then you can re-listen to it. You can share it with it, with it, you know, with your with your team or with other fellow entrepreneurs or with anybody you know that might think that this is valuable. Um, well, I think we have a couple of minutes, and I think Marina here um, help us um, with with the question again. So let's let's do this last one, and then we close. Uh, we identify a global huge miss CSR. Uh, relevant to each corporate company and others rotating employees, which make generation of dependent women. Okay, the trick is to speak about the pain. We have a solution to it, which can help companies be heroes in this. Okay, so, so what I understand then is that you have a generation of women that are dependent because they are moving around with uh, with their husbands, I would say, from corporate companies, and that you have a solution for that. Uh, so what's the question now? I would say how to communicate that? <laughs> yeah, I think from the first question, I would say how to, yeah. how to make the corporate world see, see the problem and yeah. want to change. Um, well, I don't, again, Marina, I don't know very much about what, what you're doing. So uh, please take this with a pinch of salt. But usually if you want to want people to, um, to, to change the way they're doing something, you first need to find an intrinsic motivator that will want them, that, that will make them want to change. So find out what companies um, that you want to talk to are already uh, thinking about what, what their desire is currently to, to make a difference and then tap into that. Or if you think the, corporation, uh, the corporations you want to talk to, they're, they're completely blind to the whole topic and they don't want to really make any changes for the betterment of society, 
um, then find out how could what you're proposing help their bottom line or something else that the companies are, are trying to achieve and link that. So try to find statistics or maybe just a causal um, chain of you know, cause and effect that you can use to make your, your case. But the important thing is always to link it to something that people want anyway, because it's very difficult to make people want something. Uh, they might want a product or a solution, but really what they want is the, the outcome. Uh, we, you may have heard of the fact that people don't go uh, into DIY stores to buy a hammer and a nail. What they do want to buy is the hole in the wall or the picture on the wall. And so what is the picture on the wall for the corporations that you want to talk to and then make your story about that? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Sabine. I think that it's an it's a answer very valuable. And um, to, to complement on that, I think it's especially because you're dealing with the corporate world, uh, to make sure to understand and to speak to them in their language. You know, the corporate world have, have a different mindset and they have their own language. So if you want to go and add value to them, you know, uh, make sure to understand what they value, you know, what not, not what, what are your values? You know, I, I, I know and I feel, you know, that you have a great heart and you're doing this for a mission. However, they don't share the same values, you know, um, and not judging, you know, everyone have their own values. So in that sense, like do the homework, do the research, what they really value, how they speak, what they communicate. And that will, will help you, you know, to kind of like close that bridge and, and to connect with them because otherwise for them, you know, it's like oh, another one of those. And it's, it's kind of like what happened. So I uh, hope, you know, that these tips uh, uh, help you. Yeah, thank you so much for awesome tips. Well, you're, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're so welcome. This is fun for me. So if you have any more questions, do feel free to contact me also on LinkedIn or just, you know, search for my name, you'll find me. Awesome. Well, uh, so anyway, guys, thank you very much for this awesome new episode. I have a lot of fun. Um, so as, as I told you before, we will upload this soon as a podcast. We will let you know when there is app. Uh, wish you a lovely day. And well, Sabine, Again, thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to actually to do this and share your, your knowledge. I have a lot of fun, a lot of tips. I will release this to myself actually and take some notes. <laughs> There's definitely some homework for us as well to do. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful. Thank you very much for, for being here today. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you all. Well, so that's it for, for today. Uh, wish you all a lovely, lovely day ahead. Uh, and uh, until the next time. Ciao, ciao. Hello, hello, hello. So welcome back. Did I promise too much? I don't think so. So yeah, I hope you had a great time uh, with this episode and you learned a lot. Um, you got inspired. You maybe have some ideas on how to implement the tools and strategies that have been shared in your business. And I would love to hear um, what kind of practical ideas you have or what kind of yeah strategies you want to use. So share it with us. We always love to hear how our communities Uh, our community uses um, the strategies they learn in our formats for their own businesses and also of course we always want to have feedback um, from your side so how did you enjoy um, this episode how did you enjoy the previous episode so just feel free to reach out to us um, via email on team at forchangemakers.com you can reach out to us uh, via linkedin you can reach out to us on instagram so you have all the options um, yeah we would love to interact with you so let us know what you think and how you use this um, content and then I also um, 
yeah, I want to encourage you to sign up uh, for the upcoming For Changemakers Lunch Club if you want to join us live. And you can do that um, on our website. Um, it is forchangemakers.com slash lunchclub. And you can find all the information uh, for the upcoming episode there and also information um, about the previous episodes we had and you can always find the previous episodes as a podcast um, on our podcast for the for changemakers show on spotify or on apple podcast and fernando and i we are really really keyed to support our community and to help you improving and increasing uh, the revenue of your impact businesses and to drive more change um, to our world And we um, sat together uh, and brainstormed uh, some other concepts and formats we want to launch to our community. And one of them is a life training. It is called um, Sales as a Force for Good Life Training. And it's going to be entirely for free. And we're going to um, launch this program from next week on. We're going to have regular uh, live trainings and you can find all the information about that on our website as well. Go to forchangemakers.com slash life training and we would love to welcome you there as well. So yeah, that's it. Have a great day and enjoy your time. Mm-hmm.